In this week's instalment of our Live Work Digital podcast, we have Rory Callahan. Currently, he resides in Bali, living what some may call the dream digital lifestyle. He is a qualified physiotherapist and also has a background in sports science. At the age of 25, he suffered burnout working 70 plus hours per week. It was at this time he realized that something needed to change. So he started his journey to find a solution to live a better and healthier life for himself. In the process of getting his health back, he wanted to be able to work on a solution so that others wouldn't need to go through what he did. From this point on, he was devoted to the pursuit of recognizing and developing a self-care revolution. Through this journey, he made a decision to partner with a health and wellness company, which took him to Indonesia. From here, he found that Bali was a place which nourished his soul and literally decided to sell up everything to base himself there for the foreseeable future. He shares with us some of his journey and some of the hurdles he faced to get to this chapter in his life. He is one amazing guy who simply made a decision that this is the life he wanted, but he also cautions that it may not be for everyone. We hope you love this story as much as we did. Hey, Lukey. Long time no see here. It's been a very long time. How are you, my man? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Just, you know, just uh, surfing life a little bit here and there. And Lisa, check out this guy, right? Look at him. He's got his little flowery barley shirt on. I've got my big, like, puffer jacket in Melbourne. I know. How ridiculous. Yeah. I know. But it's beautiful. It's, uh, I'd actually, I'm missing the winter and uh, having a red wine and a, a nice little fire. But this is uh, the view from oh, Bali. That's what we were like. Today. Sort now of. that is living and working the digital lifestyle right there. <laughs> yeah, it is for me anyway. It's, uh, I cast a vision to live this lifestyle about five years ago when I was busy working in a clinic and yeah. along the way you don't think it's possible for you, but uh, somehow mm-hmm. this brain and these embodied actions just kind of get us to the point where we one day wake up and we're living it, right? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I lived in Canberra in the cold for 10 years and um, I'm from the Sunshine Coast and now I'm back on the Sunshine Coast and it's just, it's such a dream when you can be like, I can actually do my job from where I want to be. How, how crazy is that? So yeah, yeah. pineapples, pineapples all the way. So <laughs> I've got a pineapple shirt too. I could wear that for you. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's lovely to meet you. Now we kind of wanted to make sh- to meet people and talk to people that are, I guess, not living your normal nine to five, right? So you're living in. Yep. And I followed you the last few years. We crossed paths in Indonesia. Mm. We launched uh, Isogenics and and I guess I've sort of kept in touch with your progress and mm. uh, evolved into probably somewhere different to where you probably envisaged yourself to be at, at some point five years ago as a from a physiotherapist to now. Yeah, the vision was always ideal lifestyle number one. Uh, two, I've always had a, a passion for good health and well-being. Uh, whether it was, you know, being an athlete and trying to figure out how to be a better athlete, or being a broken athlete who then wanted to become a physio uh, to fix the human human body that wasn't allowing me to perform, or whether it was the burnt-out health professional who then partnered with a nutritional company to learn about fasting and Ayurvedic principles and adaptogens and plant-based medicine, to the person who's now like running entrepreneur retreats and figuring out 
how to run my own uh, conscious like social enterprise by looking under the bonnets of all these other businesses and utilizing those strategies to build the big thing, which is selfcare.global and the whole self-care movement. And um, just reminding people that 95% of who they are and who they become is within their control. And it's the concept of the flower, right? It's like, uh, uh, it's such a, a beautiful vision to, to be reminded that we don't need to be fixed and that we just need to be nourished. Yeah. Blues, whether it's the Blue Zone community, whether it's through our own daily rituals of how we eat, how we breed, how we consume the environments we live in, uh, we all have access to, to, to live a great life, not just a long life. So, yeah, it's, it's been a journey, my man. I appreciate you, you know, following me on this journey. I'm, I'm just figuring it out as I go and uh, just being a student to life, so to speak, without all the woo-woo nonsense associated with it and just uh enjoying the ride as you as you can probably tell yeah no that's good so how did you end up in bali what yeah it's, it's a really interesting um conversation to, to to think like why this indonesian island out of sixteen thousand islands in this area what why why yeah. was a an australian from the southwest one of the most isolated cities in the world drawn to to call this my home and um I think it started when I was 13 and I, I traveled to Bali for the first time with my mum. We hadn't, we hadn't left, uh, we hadn't left WA, I don't think. And, uh, I just, I just remember the, the culture. I, that's the one thing I remember from that trip was how it made me feel when I was here and, you know, meeting people like Mate, the taxi driver or the young kid on one of the islands out in Lombok who was, you know, happier than anyone I'd ever seen. Uh, and they seemingly had nothing. And, uh, it made me really question my own existence, uh, for a long time growing up. I just felt, this sense of compassion and empathy to the world. And I guess that kind of drew me back around through surfing. And uh, when I was burnt out as a physio at about 25, 26, I, I just remember that I had this moment where I was like, I was like, I was, I was working my dream job, but I wasn't living my dream life. And I hadn't been on a surf trip in four or five years. I just noticed myself saying, nah, I can't, nah, I'm busy. Uh, maybe next year, maybe next year, maybe next year to the point where I nearly lost my health. And then I just, I realized that, you know, what's the point in postponing living that ideal life when we can, when we can lean into it and step into it now. So um, long story short, it, it led me down to the Southwest. Uh, I moved away from the busy hundred hour clinical um, physiotherapist work week. And uh, I, I, yeah, I started working online. I partnered with a nutritional company and that allowed me to work from anywhere. So I connected back with nature. I fell in love with nature and the, the simplicity and, and then the partner that I was with at the time, we, um, we grew apart. She wanted to buy a house and, and live her version of the dream. And I wanted to be free and to travel and, and Bali had always been on my list. And I just remember looking at my vision board after we broke up and um, the one place I hadn't been to on that vision board was the mentorize. So like after the breakup, so out of a, out of a point of pain, yeah. I looked at the vision, which is like the true North. Right. And I made a decision, bought a, um, I bought a one way ticket to the mentorize just to go on a surf trip. And uh, in that trip, I had a, awesome experience i slowed down i met met a guy called ryan ryan had a villa in bali and i was like oh hey ryan i'm, I'm interested in living in bali and he's like oh that's cool i've actually but my buddy just moved out do you want to come like, take over this rental for a couple of months and i was like okay all right that feels good um and then i remember coming back from this trip and walking into this villa and i had this like intense deja vu like intense like i was like whoa i like i've been here before i don't know what it is and then like something inside me just said all right this is going to be a home base uh, for the next couple of months. And it wasn't until I flew home probably six months later, I looked at my vision board again and in the bottom right hand corner was um, a picture of this, this, this like ideal home. And it was like, it was like no word of a lie. I think I posted it up on social media, but it was as I walked through this thing, that was kind of the picture of this villa. 
And, and that was the other thing I had in the vision board. So there was all this synchronicity and all this deep-seated stuff that was just drawing me back to a culture, a natural environment that served me a lifestyle like surfing. Also all the conscious entrepreneurs and all the cross, cross collaboration and cross pollination that goes on here. There's just, there's something magical going on and I was drawn to that energy. That's probably the simplest answer. So you, you've sort of evolved the last couple of years as well, because uh, the, the one thing that I remembered about you, you had this concept of uh, fill your cup. Now yep. that changed a little bit into what you're doing or, or was that the catalyst to something else at that particular time? It's, the funny thing is it's all the same thing. <laughs> it just gets different names and pivots and shifts and so on and so forth. This was, was Fill Your Cup uh, and it evolved into self-care. So I've got a book coming out in two months, which will be the framework for this. And essentially self-care is this like human-centric uh, approach to good health and well-being. Um, and it's connected to nature, connected to this energetic sense of the spirit or um, you know, you can go into quantum physics or whatever. But ultimately it... Uh, the, the intention is to move as many people up the health spectrum as we can. So at the moment, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, about one in two people out of seven to 8 billion people are living with a chronic preventable disease. The other 45% are living with some dysfunction, which leaves 5% of people that are living in good health and well-being, or towards longevity and the blue zones and so on and so forth. So when I went through my own journey and all the things I've done, I, I just came to that self-realization that my friends and family were part of that part of that rabbit hole and that, uh, that statistic. So I just figured rather than telling them what to do, I'd build a framework and if they ever need to uh, climb out of it, then there'll be something there for them. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, in this lifetime, if we can create a, create a shift where, you know, 50% of the world is start, starting to live in the green zone or the blue zone towards good health and well-being, then it just means that the future that we're going to hand over to, to, to maybe my kids or our kids or nieces or nephews um, will be something that I guess we're all proud of because it just with everything that we know, it just doesn't make sense that we're causing collateral damage to the natural life support system and we're living to half of our human potential. It just it doesn't make sense. And I think this pause, this crisis, is a beautiful example of that. Take humans away, nature thrives. People pause, they reconnect, they realign. You guys are now connecting with me via Zoom. Yeah. You know, so so technology is medicine. Connection is medicine. The mind is medicine. We're sharing the consciousness with your whoever's going to listen to this. Uh, we might inspire them to move. We might inspire them to light, um, you know, to travel and buy that one-way ticket somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we might tune them into the Dalai Lama or some ancient <laughs> text or religious doctrine, doctrine, whatever it gives them faith and sense and purpose. Um, and then, yeah, under, underlying this, Luke, is the Fill Your Cup method. So mm -hmm. a self-care global is a platform. Fill Your Cup is a methodology. And then there's the 12 medicines and everything just kind of feeds back into itself. So, it's evolving and adapting is probably the easiest way to explain it. And I guess that's, it's really important right now that people are not, not, a, not only because they want to, but they have to, so they need to. And you hear a lot of stories about people needing to adapt and people out of work and all this shift. It's kind of like you kind of half predicted that this was going to happen in a way, because this is, it's, it's like you, you built, what you're building up to this particular point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, there was a point where I stopped living in past paradigms and I got really yeah. pissed off and really annoyed. And I realized that, um, I was part of the problem, not part of the solution. So I simply, I made a decision to, to start seeking solutions and to be more future focused and, and kind of just make peace with where the world was and where I was in my life. And, and then just started to, uh, I think it was Deepak, Chopra and, and Dr. Rudy Tanzi, they had this book, I Super Genes. And it has this beautiful quote in there, which is like, um, 
we're not a victim to our genes. Like we are the author of our own biological story through epigenetics, through our lifestyle choices, through the environments we're in, so on and so forth. So it was such a powerful statement to realize that each of us, you know, whether it's a spiritual manifestation or the conscious engineering through scripting, we could basically be the director, the actor and the, um, and I guess the observer in our own life play. And, and Lukey, I think that's where, yeah, probably at 26, the, the pain point became the pivot, which then, you know, maybe uh, having that at 26 was, a, was a, a real godsend, but it made me just rather than like focusing on those social constructs, I just went, okay, well, what would the world look like if I was free? And I, I, I like, uh, had enough abundance and resources to have a positive social impact to contribute. And that took me to shared economies and the networked enterprise with Isagenics. It took me, and that was, I didn't expect to go from a master's degree to partnering with a network marketing company and putting up with all the old paradigms and concepts about that whilst the Airbnbs and the Ubers and the, the shared economies were kind of developing, the circular economies were kind of developing. So it was just, I was just courageous enough to, to, to trust my, my heart, my gut, to cast a vision and then just lean into it and just figure it out as it went. You know, it, uh, and it hasn't been a perfect ride. It's been learning and evolving and hitting dips and highs and lows and pain and pleasure and, and eventually finding points of like inner peace and realignment. But as it kind of grows, it, uh, I find that, yeah, it just, it just naturally does that. So, mm. um, yeah, it's just been a, an evolving process. And I think the key thing is just being very, very future focused now and scripting the type of future I want to be part of, you know, the type of, yeah, type of world I want to hand over to future generations, you know? Yeah. It's interesting, the process, because we, because I followed your, your steps uh, from the, when you started writing the book and you, you just see snippets. We don't like, it's interesting that you you mentioned that there's highs and lows, but you know, in this whole Facebook social media platform economy, we make it what yeah. it is. So, how have you navigated, you know, what you shared and what you don't share, or, uh, you know, because you want to you want to know you want to teach people you're developing something that's going to help everyone, right? So, how much do you use social media, communicate, or? Yeah, I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I think, um, you know, technology in this case can be very, um, very Im impactful in that, you know, we can connect from where we are in the world and share this conversation and share it out into Facebook groups and so on and so forth. So I think that's really valuable. Uh, but I also see a lot of like the millennials and the, my generation, the younger generations getting really stuck into this virtual reality and forgetting there's this physical reality. Uh, and it just, it's an addiction in the same way drugs and mind altering substances are an addiction. So there's this kind of like duality to it. And I, I guess what I saw was there was a guy called, uh, Jay Shetty and, um, you know, he, he's, uh, I think, um, uh, he's, he's basically went on to become a monk. He's got 5.2 million followers. He partnered with Facebook and his whole vision, his whole vision was, um, you know, there's this negative bias in the world in media. And he's like, I want to be the positive bias. I want to be the I want to be the one in three positive bias bias for a world that is you know built for survival and marketing is built on pain and and threat and all this type of stuff. And he's like, you know what? I want to I want to be that person that reminds people that we're living in really abundant times. We can connect, we can share, we can circulate, we can change at any moment. So I, I just I was kind of tuned into his approach and and Peter Kelly, who was a good friend of mine, we were kind of navigating this together, and uh, we just started yeah we just started to to be honest, to be vulnerable, uh, to be transparent and, and yeah, and just join in on the conversation, but try to be, you know, as an example, this whole COVID thing, you know, mm -hmm. knowing what I know about the book and all the stuff that I've, all, all the work that I've put in, 
you know, it's very easy to see what it is. Um, but my friends and family are getting very caught into the clickbait and all the other stuff. So mm. I just decided that I'm just going to provide a well-rounded perspective to my friends and family. And I didn't want to do that. I actually, I didn't actually have a desire to do it, but I felt the need to, it was a calling. Cause I was like, if my highest passion is good health and well-being for the people that I care about, then I need to show up in all spaces in the same way uh, and, and in the same vibration and either live my truth. Uh, so be the, be the mentor that shows people where to look, but doesn't tell them what to see or be the person that is a living example of uh, some pivots and shifts that they can make in their own life, life as I share the highs and the lows. Uh, and I'm, I'm learning to share the vulnerability of the lows a lot more because um, I, I was a bit emotionally um, fearful of judgment of that. But to be honest, that was my, my superpower is yeah. you know, sharing, sharing those moments. So yeah, I think social media is, is uh, it's a double-edged sword. It can be used really well. It can also be used uh, very poorly. So my, my, my decision is just to be on the positive bias side of it. Yeah. Can I ask a question? What were some of the lows that you doesn't have to be anything in, you know, deep or anything, but what, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've come up against? You know I mean? You've gone from, you know, like you said, working the hundred hour weeks and, you know, living that sort of lifestyle. And now you're in Bali and, you know, you have a whiteboard outside and, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it seems like the ultimate lifestyle and the ultimate way to work you know but what are some of the challenges that you have come up against um to get to the point where you are now well i didn't realize it at the time but there were a lot of like past traumas you know from from my childhood um which i didn't even realize were past traumas you know they're just emotional experiences which i created a narrative and a story about um you know so as an example like traveling uh, with my mum, i very quickly realized that i'd i had been given a golden ticket to life that 90% of the world had not been given. I got access to education, yeah. water, safety, security, all these type of things. So coming to terms with this at a young age, was that was really challenging. Um, my dad suffered from mental health issues, uh, which led him to alcoholism and living homeless in the streets that I grew up. So that was a, an experience. But again, rather than um, seeing that as, uh, as a negative experience, I, I was able to, to see how this beautiful soul taught me compassion and empathy and uh yeah. and made me really tune in with what it means to be human you know like i yeah. had the opportunity, opportunity to walk past in the streets one day and there was a moment where i was like do i stop and say hello or do i keep on walking by and there was oh, wow. just something like innate that just made me go and you know shake the hand of the man that gave me life and say hey dad how are you going yeah. and um so those moments were very like powerful and even now that that always gets me because it's uh that those little mo- pivot points it could have yeah. gone apathy but it went empathy and compassion um and then i guess growing up had a single mum, so we worked paycheck to paycheck but she might not had a lot of money so she wasn't serving from overflow in that sense but she was serving from unconditional love she was my number one supporter you know she'd be putting things in in into the into the the framework that would uh you know without telling me what to do would give me the courage to take steps into my life you know to go to university to play down at east Fremantle football club um even when i didn't think i was worthy um, to, to go to university again and get a master's degree to, to have the permission to, to leave my like home and, uh, go, go explore the world in the same way that she did. So there were just all these, like these moments, which were pain, but they very quickly became a pivot that pointed me towards a more positive future vision. And and to be honest, I think if someone had taken away that moment, so if I hadn't hit rock bottom at 26 and someone had just kind kind of come in and built me back up and I was operating at 30, 40%, I'd probably still be working that job and not even know that any of this exists. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, so there's just a couple. Uh, building a building a networked enterprise that with forty thousand customers and something that's turned over seven figures, you know, really took me into a people management space and uh, challenged me in a leadership sense and a you know and a, an integrity sense and everything. So that that was it. That was challenging. Um, launching my own platform and and book mm. and bringing that into like into reality has been hugely hugely challenging. Um, yeah. Even with access to everything I have around me, so. Um, but yeah, something just deep inside just keeps me going. And it's like, yeah. you know, like, like Lukey said, you know, we might not have chatted for two years, but you come back two years later, I don't really feel progress in myself. But then in that two year period, you know, someone will reflect back on all the work that I've been doing. And it's just stepping in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. For me. People always, as much as people don't do anything on social media, they will still watch. Right. I, yeah. I have no idea why I even remember this particular fact about you. You, at one point, you were trying to sell your car in Perth because you hadn't used it for months and months and months, right? And I go, oh, he really hasn't been at home, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and it's just yep. like that where if I noticed that, other people would have noticed it as well, I'm sure. Yeah. But, and then they go, yeah. what is he doing selling his car? Isn't he coming back? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that was a big moment for my friends and family that it's like, so you're not coming back and I'm and like deep down people have their projections of what they want for you in their life. But there's a rare few people that support you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that was a really pivotal moment. Uh, yeah. Those, those shedding of material possessions. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if anyone's watched that, um, that movie minimalism, but it's a beautiful yeah. example. And there's a couple of uh, beautiful people out there that share these concepts as well. But I just remember going from this big two story house overlooking the beach down in Albany with a dog and you know all that type of stuff looking at buying the house to then fitting everything in a car and i could only take what i could fit in my car and it was amazing it was like cardboarding gear surf gear books and uh like clothes and some you know some health-based stuff and then yeah. all of a sudden i go back to perth and now i have to fly to bali so now i can only take what i can fit in two bags and uh and i was like whoa it's just this like shedding of like material things selling the car and all these things and um and yeah, I didn't realize that it inspired people in their journey or the fact that you remember it, Lukey, but I think just being courageous enough to, to step into that truth, whatever it is for mm-hmm. anyone who's listening, um, will inspire someone out there who might be looking to, to live that type of lifestyle or potentially, you know, find that path for themselves. I totally agree with you. I, I think my parents expected me to live at home until I was 35 and, um, you know, and just stay on the Sunshine Coast. And at 19, I met a dude and uh, moved to moved to Canberra three months later. And, you know, he's now my husband. So, you know, that oh, worked there we out. Go. See, yeah, but back on the Sunshine Coast now. But, you know, like, I think it's um, sometimes like and, and me moving was definitely something that was not the norm in my family you know it was a, yeah. it was a it was a black sheep type move you know why would you want to do, why would you want to do that you know you have friends and you have family why would you want to move yeah. away I mean I, I just moved from the Sunshine Coast to Canberra you've moved to Bali you know yeah. so that's a bit different so um, I think you're right you just need the right people the, the people who will really support you um, they understand what your mission is and what your vision is and and that you're moving away or your the thing that you're doing which might be completely different to what you were doing yeah. is so that you can create a better life or your true life for yourself yeah. you know yeah. so um but did you have any backlash from from anyone when you decided to to move away no of course like it's 
like, but, but think about this, right? Like this is the amazing thing is people are, are very good at projecting what they want for you, but yeah. uh, not many people are good at like taking the time to sit down and ask you and listen and ask like, yeah. what does your heart say? What is, what really gets you out of bed in the morning? What's your plan de vida in Italy or what's your ikigai in Japan? What's your reason for being and, and really supporting you find that, finding that in the context of your own life. Not everyone needs to be a doctor and engineer and teacher because that's what everyone else did. Yeah. It's like we have an opportunity in this moment right now to, to be whoever we want to be. And all we need to know is like the sense of the ikigai is a beautiful, beautiful like um, concept. But it's like, it's like uh, what do you love doing? What are you good at? What does the world need? And what is it willing to pay you for? Uh, and exchange value for. Like to live in Bali, I, personally, I probably only need $500 a week. Personally, yeah. just to live this lifestyle. Back in Perth, living the lifestyle that I was living over there, $2,000 a week. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and to be honest, I'm probably being more, more nourished in this environment. I've uh, got access to more, like the beach is two minutes away. Every cafe around me seems to be plant-based and, and from local farmers. Um, the conscious, like the mind stream over here of people just want to serve and connect and cross-pollinate is, is huge. So it's like, I'm just in a really nourishing environment. It only cost me 500 bucks a week. So it was like, so straight away by doing that, um, I'm going to challenge people's mental constructs of what it means to live. And, uh, and there's two things that happen. One, people are like, uh, good for you. You live in the dream life. And it's like, when people say that to me, I, I, it kind of gets me because I'm like, I'm like, first of all, thank you. Uh, but you can too. And it's like, and I'll, I'll even take the time to be like, okay, cool. What's your ideal vision? What's your future vision? Like what's your ideal day? What's your ideal lifestyle? Um, but most people feel like it's not possible for them. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is I had like a buddy and he's like, oh, he's taking advantage of a third world country. And I was like, whoa, I was like, where did that come from? And, um, and the whole thing was like, actually, man, I've learned more living in this culture than I have living in my home culture. Yeah. And I was like, if anything, they're teaching me, you know, and uh, I'm being nourished and I'm learning. I'm learning to contribute and be part of a shared and circular economy. The karma driven culture here is phenomenal, you know, and, and I'm finding ways to give back and, and contribute to and circulate with this economy in the same way that it's or this culture in the same way that it's given me so much as well so um you know but the point is is it doesn't matter what you do everyone's going to have an opinion about it and i don't know if i can say this but i'm going to say it anyway the very aussie colloquialism but do it but but mum said (laughs) um opinions are like assholes everybody's got one and if you live your life based on other people's opinions then you'll live a pretty shitty life so it's like (laughs) So the, the whole point is, is to get to a point where you align your own internal compass and you do the inner work, you know, vision, values, culture, I mean, um, character, uh, passion, purpose, and just get this thing aligned with what your true north is. Cast yeah. a vision for 12 months, for five, for five years, for 10 years, and cast a vision for the ideal life, the type of lifestyle, the type of feeling that you want to sit in in 12 months time, not yeah. the job, the money, the status, the material possessions. That's all, I'm not going to say it's complete BS, but it's complete BS. It's like, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know if it's just, I don't don't know how to explain it, but it's like sit in the end feeling, not the, the physical, I don't know, the watches and all that stuff. It just, it doesn't really matter. Like when we go to our grave, none of that stuff matters. So, um, I just want to live a great life with no regrets and help people do the same. That's, that's the simplicity. I guess it's, it's having that one goal and um, I've just started watching the whole Michael Jordan thing, right? He just had one goal. Everything else just happens to fall because of that one purpose and one goal. And yes, yep. but that's his thing. So yep. how, do you, how do you 
tell someone or someone asks you, what, what is my thing? What, what do I do? I'm stuck. So what's, what's the best suggestion that you can give someone to try and help them, I guess, find out what their, what their calling is? I think the first thing is, is more importantly, talk about why you do it. Like, why was I a health professional? Why did I partner with a nutritional company? Why did I build a self-care platform online? Why do I host retreats in Bali? Like, why do I do these things? I think that's asking people why they do what they do versus what they do, I think, is the, is the first shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of, of what you do, it's like, well, how, you know, in that sense of Ikikai, how do, how do you contribute to that end vision? So for me, the sustainable development goals are, like, are really important to me because I've, I've seen firsthand the, the disparity in the world. You know, I, I know that 80% of the world lives on $10 a day. I know that a large portion of the global population, over 50%, doesn't have access to healthcare. And like, you know, I've seen people in, in Indonesia, in, in Bali, like be in motor vehicle accidents and I've been putting them into the car and been like, hey, send them to the hospital. And they're like, what, are you going to pay for it? And it's like, then the taxi driver saying, are you going to pay for the taxi? I'm like, whoa, I'm like, there's no ambulances, there's no healthcare, you know? And I just, so I think the thing is, is asking why they do it. And that's probably going to be their own personal story, their own experience. And then I think what they do is, is finding what their unique skills and talents are and something that they can contribute to that in a meaningful way that allows them to live a great life. So, you know, I'm working with people now, one might be a, a systems engineer. Um, I might love to be a creator and like create books and frameworks and stuff like that. I've got people in my network who are like stars and they, they love magnifying things and getting on stage and talking about it and hosting workshops. I've got people that just love to support communities and they you know, sit behind the scenes of a Facebook group and like that really lights them up to get things organized and in, in order. And then there's people who want to build the systems and, and link it all back around. So it's like all those people are aligned with the same end vision. They've just got a different skill set or genius of what they do. Um, so I think, I think that's the thing is ask why they do it and then tune them into their genius. And, and if they're a fish in water, put them in water, stop, stop teaching them to climb a tree. So it, the whole self care movement now, where, where is it uh, in, in the timeline of where you want it to be? Where, where is it set now? Is it an evolution? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's my 40 year, 50 year, 100 year thing. You know, it, uh, it's, it's, in the essence of what it is, take the labels and stuff aside. It's, it's, it's my like reason for being, you know, and, uh, and, and realistically all it represents is, uh, 19 and 20 people not living with a chronic disease or dysfunction. I, I just, I can't stand here and, and be, be okay with that being our normal. So it's like, that's the thing that gets me out of bed. That's the thing that gets me on these calls. So in terms of that movement, it's been, you know, it, it started as an idea probably five, six years ago when I was working as a health professional, I was banging my head up against the wall, seeing the same patients coming over and over again. And, yeah. and ultimately just looking at it and going, no one is getting to a point where they're self-sufficient and living in a state of good health and well-being. Everyone is reliant on me or someone else to be fixed. And I'm like, flower doesn't need to be fixed. It just needs to be nourished. Like we need to provide, create these communities. So, um, so yeah, then I started five years of researching like blue zone communities, longevity, um, and really tuning into all the different paradigms of the 12 medicines. And then the first, first, um, first like part of the book came to life. Um, and that actually came after the food cup methodology. So I built the methodology. I'm like, okay, this is how you, you know, you, you help someone move up the health spectrum. Um, and that was through my own personal experience. And I was like, cool. So now let's go deeper into the 12 medicines and really figure that out. So wrote a book about that. Cause I'll explain the same thing to everyone at the same time. And it became very time consuming. Uh, and then I rewrote that book three times. The, the first time it was uh, very like 
it was like a five week download. It was like from 2 a.m. at night, I'd wake up at 7 a.m. I'd repeat that for five weeks. That's probably part of the reason my ex partner wow. and I split. I was just so, <laughs> I've never felt, I've never felt anything like it. It's like, you want to talk about like passion and purpose. Time disappeared for five weeks of my life. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then I rewrote it a second time and uh, added more evidence and all that type of stuff. And then I realized that people didn't give a shit about the rational side of things. They wanted stories and metaphors and analogies. Um, so then I, I did the rewrite the third time around and then added in more analogies and stories and metaphors and things like the flower and, and uh, fill your cup and so on and so forth. And, and then it became this beautiful little piece. And uh, I'm going to be releasing that to the world in about two months' time. Um, and it's going to be a book, which is the tip of the iceberg. That's yeah. the thing that people can share with people in the tangible physical world. And then the self-care or global platform is this big integrative ecosystem where I can do uh, podcasts, I can do videos, I can get guest bloggers to share a piece of the puzzle in each of the 12 kind of paradigms and, and just help people, you know, I don't know, just, just basically run their own life path at their own pace and move up the health spectrum and live in a state of good health and well-being. So that's where we're at, Lukey. And uh, the next 12 months is going to be taking those into courses online. I had a lot of retreats and stuff planned for this year and self-care summits, but um, with the COVID thing, that's all been put on the back burner until people can fly and move around again. Um, but it's been a good, good, good opportunity to do more things like this, which is cool. Just um, quickly, what's the feel in Bali at the moment with, with everything the way it is, because obviously there's no industry, there's no trade, there's no tourists and all the rest of it. And then there's people like yourself uh, mm. that are still living uh, in and amongst the community. So what's the feel of, because I know the feel, my family are in Jakarta, so Bali is a little bit different, but is there optimism in Bali with everything that's going on? Well, this is this is a thing that you know all too well, Luke. It, it's, uh, you're living in a culture that, probably can't get a credit card so they don't live in debt mm. um they only live within their needs uh, most of most families and most individuals are living on maybe ten dollars a day uh three hundred dollars australian a month um so money hasn't always been the the be all end all the, the the founding philosophy is this shared economy you know like the the rice farmer will crop a piece of um you know a, a rice farm for three months and all the farmers will come together at the, at the front end and you know, collaborate to help him plant all the seeds. And then one farmer will maintain it for the three months and then they'll all come together and crop it at the end. And then the farmer will keep 20% for himself. He'll give maybe 20% back to the community and then sell 60% at market. So it's like none of that's changed, to be honest. And if anything, the only people that are suffering are the expats, the people that can't, uh, you know, pay for their expensive villas and so on and so forth. So the Balinese culture seems to be, seems to be um, just doing what it's always done minus that extra bit of abundance. But if you, if you really look at it, the average household in Australia lives in $250,000 worth of debt. Mm -hmm. I think they're in a lot more stress yeah. than people over here that uh, don't have any uh, debt or maybe just a small amount for their scooter. And they've still got enough positive cash flow and a shared economy to support themselves. So their basic human needs are met. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, you could have all your basic human needs met, but you still got that mortgage repayment coming every month for a house that you probably can't afford. So, and most most of the people I know here, like they at least own their shelter or they have a shared shelter, so food, water, shelter. That's kind of sorted. Then they just need to find a way to make money and not be in debt. So it's like the feel here is really calming. It's the reason why I came to Bali in the first place. It's not so busy and all the loud motorbikes and stuff have disappeared and the the noise and and it was really interesting. They had Nyepi, 
which is the cleansing of the island. And that, and that kind of just happened as COVID started. And they extended that for three days. So they had an extra cleansing of the island. Uh, and a lot of people left and a lot of people stayed and started sharing and circulating and contributing to the communities up in the northwest and northeast that are actually suffering because no one's buying the farmer's produce. So, but they've just found a way to keep it, keep it all going. So, um, yeah, that's the general feel. Do you feel like we have it wrong in Australia or, you know, I, I do, I'm putting it out there. Like I'm, I'm a big advocate for the tiny house movement and minimalism and veganism or vegetarianism, whatever you want to do. I'm a failure vegan, but, um, but I try as much as I can. Um, but you know, like I, 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 I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. I, I, it sounds great what you're able to achieve over there with so little. And so do you think that maybe, I mean, I, I think people would be happier. I, they must be happier over there doing what they're doing when they don't have a $500,000 mortgage and a big car loan and credit card debt. And do you think they're, they're happier? We've been tricked. Like, let's be honest. Like yeah. I did, the, I did the math on buying a house in Australia, and and even with a high-paying job as a physio and a secondary source of income, it was uh, to buy a four hundred average house, which was yeah. you know four four hundred four hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. I'd need to save fifty to hundred thousand, yeah. uh, and then I would need to then get three hundred three hundred fifty off the bank, and then over the twenty-year like aspect of that loan i would then end up paying another four hundred thousand dollars back to the bank just in interest in, ta- in so my, interest yeah yeah so my four hundred four hundred fifty thousand dollar house becomes an eight hundred thousand dollar house mm-hmm. and the challenge is is that with the way the market is going now that house isn't going to be worth eight hundred thousand dollars in the next 20 years and even if it is i just break even you know so exactly. so i was like what the hell is the point in living in scarcity and debt um, when i can find a way to free my time free my location create abundance save like tune into multiple streams of income, create uh, positive cash flow uh, so I can live it enough and then create abundance so that I can then self-fund my own, my own project. I've, I've self-funded the whole self-care uh, project without having to go to banks or, or things like that. Fantastic. And it's like, but it's like you can do that because it's just operating in the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. So yeah. the scarcity mindset is just, we've been taught to, to just tune into that and, and create that as our normal and, to be honest, I think we're all feeling right now that that model no longer serves us. It doesn't. And, it, and, it, and the reason why we're having these conversations is because people are realigning, reassessing. Yeah. And they're, they're asking some pretty powerful questions. They're like, do I need that $40,000 loan on my car? Do I need that $250,000 mortgage on, on this house? You know, like I've spent the last 10 years of my life and I've paid off like 5% of the principal. It's like, I was like yeah. what the hell am I doing? You know, I could just yeah. sell the house, be $40,000 in positive cash flow tune into the tiny house movement or whatever it is shared economies and then be living in abundance like just the change of a decision you know so um yeah so i think i think there's realignment but if people really sit with what is their ideal lifestyle what are their values what does their gut and their heart say i think they'll be able to make some pretty powerful decisions in the next three months so for you to to get the next step going what what are your plans to be able to tell people about this new movement mm. so, the book and everything what's your yeah strategy yeah well strategies I'm, I'm open to strategies I, like my thing is i just it's about impact right so i built the platform which is which is cool everyone can uh, jump on here and they like when i wrote the book like three years ago i created like a little free framework mm-hmm. so people can download that um and then what that does is you know 
we respect everyone's information, but it just sends a, sends a copy to their email and then in, uh, creates giving impact on their behalf. And yeah. uh, then what we do is we then add them to the self-care group. So um, the self-care group is where, face. Uh, oh wait, I've got a Facebook. Sorry. Essentially you're gifting the book to people. Yeah, I've got the ebook version and then I've got the more in-depth version. Uh, the one that's taken me five years, there's going to be a value exchange for that. But it's also yeah. going to be the thing that, um, that funds the, the platform as well. So cool. you don't write a book to make money. Let's put it that way. I think you no. at about $2 to $6 on every, or every sale if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, not accounting for your time. <laughs> so, so the point is you write a book to have an impact. Um, exactly. So, and then, yeah. And then what I'm looking to do is uh, build an audience of 1,000 people in here. So this is a free group. And I just want to be, I want to promote human connection. I want to show up with people and get people to sh invite them to share tools, um, share the frameworks in real time, um, you know, shared stories, food is medicine, and just really share tools and, and anything that can help people move up the health spectrum and create a conversation and a dialogue for people in a way that's very high vibration. Um, so the strategy is to get attract a thousand people into this group and then 10,000 and then uh, we'll have the book launch um and there'll be some cool i'd love to find ways to to create a strategy where people can just share it with people and like we create this ripple effect of change i'd love to see yeah. this book on you know on, on everyone's um you know coffee table or something they pick it up when they want to read it like the four-hour work week with tim ferris i never read it but it just reminded me of what was possible um and then yeah and then off the back of that i want to create some online courses for people so they can walk through it from the, from their home from their phone uh, and then if they want to bring together people in uh, conferences or, you know, immersive experiences, whether it's Bali or other blue zone communities yeah. where really nourishing environments and actually like help them embed and embody the rituals and then take that home to the context of their own environment, connecting to their own community and then be that shining light for someone in their family or their community. And then, you know, the ripple effect kind of continues from there. So that's, that's the vision in a nutshell and uh, a little bit about the strategy, but open to new things. So with your, like, do you do advertising or how do you, how do you reach out to people? Yeah. So one of like, I really, I want to crack the organic code, uh, which is, which is a code about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's okay. I think, I think, uh, I think I can, I think I, I can crack it. I think we yeah. can crack it. It's really just about um, solving a problem for someone and giving value. And it's like um, the old school process is like find a pain point sell to an emotional pain point yeah and then like and go down deeper on that and uh you'll see a lot of marketers and i got really tired of it actually in bali like this marketer selling to marketers and was, they were the first people to leave bali because once people aren't marketing their products anymore you can't market to marketers and sell courses to marketers right so it was just like smoke blowing smoke blowing smoke um and and there was like but there was nothing that was actually causing a tangible change in people's lives so i think if we can get to a point where we create value we can create solutions yeah. Uh, we can connect people with solutions, whether it's community or resources or pathways or whatever, um, and then find ways to leverage the digital platforms, you know, whether it's um, the social media, like YouTube's probably the most um, widely used social platform at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, Pinterest is like the Google of pictures. You got Instagram, yeah. which is the lifestyle stuff. You got Facebook groups, which are taking off. You got uh, platforms like Teachable where you can put courses up. Um, so there's all these things available. So for me, it's just... Um, tuning into that and finding people to help yeah. me have an impact in that world. And, and I, I just trust that I'll, I'll meet someone who has a similar vision and says, well, 
here's how you impact an extra 100 people. Here's how you impact an extra 1,000 people. Here's how you impact another 100,000 people. And yeah. um, when I'm not attached or when you're not attached to this thing being yours, it, uh, it, it really becomes about, cool, I can like, if someone can help this thing, this movement impact a million people, I'm like, let's do it. You know, yeah. providing it comes from the right alignment, yeah. and the right character. Yeah. Just so you know, Lisa actually runs an online e-learning business. So she develops training programs. Awesome. On there, <laughs> there you go. I just had a chat with a systems engineer today actually about that. So maybe we can chat cool. about that after this. Sounds like a sounds like a winning idea. Yes, I um I met with a potential client today who is a stunt coordinator for Nitro Circus. He lights himself on fire for a job. So um, really? so I, see any you can do anything. You can do anything. <laughs> you can. You literally can. So look, it's been so good to chat to you. This has been absolutely fascinating and. Um, I think there's a lot of like, you know, ideas and, and things like that. Um, you know, you're, you're definitely, you've, you've gone from um, a, a very typical Australian type lifestyle where, you know, we work really hard and we have that, you know, do the, do the house and the, and the money and the things like that. And I, I've been in that trap myself, so I get it. I've not moved to Bali, but I've moved to the Sunshine Coast, which is my That's little... Good. The environment is, is cool, what it whatever is. it is. It's whatever yeah. it is. I get it, yeah. But I, I definitely understand that trap. And I think a lot of people do get into that trap and then they try and try and find or they have an epiphany like you had and then they, they go, actually, I need to be doing X and I need to be living so over here and I need to be reducing my whatever it is, waste my you know time yep. not spent with my family or whatever it might be, debt. Um, so, you know, that, that's all really great. And it's so great to see someone who is, who's actually doing it and, you know, we visually can see you. That's amazing. If you could give, um, if you could give like some top tips to, to say, say someone who's, you know, they're, they're stuck at, they're stuck at a desk, you know, they're working for a, a big organization, but they, they don't really know what their passion is or they have an idea and, but they just don't know how to get it off the ground. You know what, can you give them any advice on, or kick up the bum? I think number one is uh, come back to the analogy of the flower. Like if you want to, to really blossom and bloom, just make sure that you're in a nourishing environment, family, work, lifestyle, geographically, culturally, whatever it is. So that's number one. It just make sure that the five people you spend the most time with, including your work colleagues, uh, are really invested in seeing you succeed in life. You should be around people that want to inspire you and help you to be the best version of yourself. And if you're not, change environment. If that means changing from a hundred thousand um, dollar a week, a month, a year job, or whatever, um, to to something that pays you eighty thousand but gives you that nourishment and that time freedom to really invest in who you are, then go do it. But the thing is, you, this, the second step is make sure that you, in the context of wherever you live in the world, geographically, culturally you can meet your basic human needs. You're making enough cash flow to not live in scarcity. So for Bali, $500. Australia might be 1000 If you've got a family, it might be 2000 right? So you need to, to work within the context of your life. And I think the third thing would be, then be like once you've, you know, I guess you know, we've got 168 hours, we sleep for about 49, self-care and lifestyle is probably another 40 hours. We work for a good 40, maybe 60 hours. We've got another 20 hours a week to really invest in, in, in really finding and tuning into our reason for being, our purpose, our passion. And I'd say for that one is like spend some time whilst, you know, you, you've got your cash flow and you work on your self-care rituals and you're sleeping well, you've got that 20 hours and, and go inwards before you're trying to change your external reality. So stop, stop trying to like find quick fixes and solutions out yeah. here 
and take the time to, to really go inwards and get out of your head and start feeling more and uh, have experience that, re that really like, like lean into, and this gives me tingles, like lean into experiences that really make you come alive. And it might be something as simple as putting a vision board together and like, what is my ideal lifestyle look like? And for me, it was like a surf trip. And I was like, what does it actually represent? When I went there, I was like immersed in this culture. I was connected with nature. And I met someone that then connected me. I never knew that that would be the thing that would pivot yeah. and change my life. But once I started tuning in to, to that yeah. and making, making you know, uh, left or right you know, decisions from that internal compass towards that future vision, I've just I found that I've gone like this, but I've never really been off track. Um, yeah. I've probably and a little bit up over here felt like too much, you know, pleasure or too much, whatever. And then I've been over here and too much pain, but it just kind of redirects back in. And, uh, at least it's heading true North and it's not heading Southwest or, or East, you know? So yeah. that would be the third thing. Go inwards before you try to change your external reality and, and cast and script a positive future vision for the next 12 months. I think that's some really good advice. Some advice I could have, could have used maybe about 10 years ago, but uh, <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> if only we could go back and give ourselves some advice. That's awesome. Well, let's give this to the kids. You know, exactly. I want, I want the teenagers to know this stuff. If you can help yeah. me get that message in front of kids, like 10, 15, 20 year old versions of us. And that's, yeah. that's cool. How would you yep. stepping back a little bit? So how would you get this message? My, my eldest is 19, right? And it, it freaks me out. I've got a 19-year-old running around. So he's, he's in our first year uni. So he's kind of where you were already. Yeah. So how do you get this message, apart from me telling them, because they don't listen to their father because it's father. No. <laughs> yeah. How do we get this message to this new generation that aren't quite millennials, that it's after the millennial generation? I think it's the, the concept of the mentor that shows them where to look, but not what to see. So you can't tell your son to watch this podcast or this, this thing, but you could say, Hey, I met this really cool young surfy dude who's living this lifestyle in Bali. And you mentioned that you wanted to have this kind of freedom. Like if he did, right. And it might not be me. It might be another vessel. Uh, and then to say, if you're interested, you should check out this link. And then and he's like, nah. link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just share the link, you know? And then it's like, and then dad becomes cool. Cause dad's, you know, tuning into messages and then you can, yeah, you'll be, that's the thing you, you, you do by, uh, cause well, I guess men in general will never tell you, well, not, most of them won't ever tell you if you've ever helped them. They'll just be like, yeah, that's good. Well done. But, um, <laughs> but there will be some that, you know, maybe in 10 years time, you're like, dad, thank you so much for sharing that podcast with me. It changed my life. Yeah. So it's like, we just need to guide them. We just need to be those, those mentors, those custodians that, the tune people into what they're looking for. And, you know, you, your son might have a, a vulnerable moment, a, a pain point in his, his young life. And then that might be when he's emotionally ready to receive the message. So you might just have to wait for that point too, and just support him as he yeah. did what probably you and I did when we were younger and just bounce off the walls and think we had it all sorted. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. You have to be ready for the information, don't you? As opposed to, you don't always want to be told you have to sort of discover it yourself, even though you, someone may have been, yelling at you to their blue in the face but if you don't want if you're not ready to hear it you're not ready to hear it you know or read it or see it or whatever so yeah but it keeps showing up it keeps keep showing up, up and just anything that just keeps popping up and it just doesn't go away like i lean into that i don't yeah you know it just even like the network marketing opportunity like i it just felt i rationally i was like the world was saying no but then I lent into it and it was like this heart space group, this founding team, this like connection to nature, like no compromise soil. I was like, whoa. I was like, I just, I leaned into it because I kept on showing up. So there's going to be things yeah. in your life that seem 
they're not the doctor, the engineer, the rational thing of what you should do, but they, there's something about it. There's something about that person. There's something about that community, that connection, whatever it is. And you just keep leaning into it, keep leaning yeah. into it, keep leaning into it and let go of the need to know. And, and just remind yourself that you're a feeling being that thinks not a thinking being that feels. Yeah. yeah. Awesome stuff. Hey, Rory, thank you very much for your, your time. Um, Cause it's you know, out of the blue. You got a message from me the other week and, well, sometimes you're not sure whether people are going to respond, but um, I had a pretty good feeling that you you were, would have been willing to share a little bit about your experience. So appreciate your time very much. Yeah, thank you. No worries. Likewise, and, and really nice to meet you, Lisa and, and Lukey. Thanks for staying connected. I, I, I often share that like if people take the time to reach out to me, I'll do my best to give them a human connection back. What an inspiring movement Rory is creating in the island of the gods. His drive and dedication to the self-care movement is so inspiring. His path is not the norm, but it is the exception. He advocates that everyone has the ability to create a new and different chapter in their lives. His message to anyone who is questioning where they are in life is that if something doesn't feel right, then you need to stop and take a breath. We all need to stop and think about what we want with our own individual circumstances instead of accepting that this is the way it is. It is only then that we can lean towards a more rounded and healthier life. His dream is not everyone's dream, but encourages everyone to be courageous, to be brave and to be bold. If anyone wants to know more about how to get involved, check out our blog or message us through any of our channels and we can connect you with Rory. Until next time, folks, this is Lisa from Live Work Digital. Have an awesome day and we will catch up with you all soon.